This is Notable Nerds, a pro nerd report podcast where we introduce you to really cool nerds who are doing really cool things. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my goal is to highlight nerdy, talented people who are killing it in the world. In each episode, we will hear their origin story, and they will impart a bit of advice and wisdom to others who might be looking to get in their industry or just learn something new. Without further ado, thank you for joining us, and now let's meet today's Notable Nerd. Like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest with me today. He's the creator and solo developer for the upcoming must-play game, Rebel Transmute. He's the one, the only, Evan Tor. Evan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Having a good day. Thanks for the uh, hype intro. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You're a special guest. A special guest deserves a special intro, so had to do it big for you. So, Evan, okay. for the people who don't know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? God, hold up. I got a car <laughs> no, go going ahead. off. Can you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> Should I just wait until that's yeah, done? Just, yeah, we can chill for a second. <laughs> yeah, there's not it's much it. I can do about it. I live on the street, and the windows oh. are, like, not very noise-reducing at mm-hmm. all. God, that's loud. Yeah. Oakland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you like being that close to the bay? I love it, honestly. It's a great mm-hmm. place. Ironically, I'm probably moving away in a month. Oh, where um, to? Any more fun? Yeah, trying to go to LA. I have okay. a lot of friends down there. And I don't know anyone here. I moved here for like jobs and stuff. And since I'm working on the game, I don't need to be in any one spot. So yeah, figured go where friends are, work on the game. Kinda... So out of curiosity, is the cost of living going to be like higher or lower? Because both are more expensive parts of the US. It's going to be a little bit lower for comparable places, but my mm-hmm. rent's probably going to go up because I was splitting rent here and I'm probably oh. not going to be splitting rent there. But luckily the Kickstarter is like two so, so that I can afford <laughs> to live in a spot where I can be comfortable and pay rent and have food and stuff. That's good. Um, when I explain to people what the Kickstarter is for and I say that, a lot of people say, shouldn't you be using the money to make the game? I'm like, what do you What do you think <laughs> yes. he's doing? Yes. Like when you work for a company, they pay you so you can afford rent and food and stuff, but then you go make the whatever they're asking you to do. It's just me, but I'm one person. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I post online and stuff, I need to be like, yeah, the money's to develop the game, to make the art and the programming and the sound. And I'm doing all that, but I need to, so I think it's not as easy for some people to understand. All yeah, right. it sounds sure. like the audio has. I'm going to go close the window real quick as well. Right, it might get a little hot in here, but it's not going to be too long. So, 
I'll live. All right. All right. Thank you for dealing with this. Okay. Man, it's no big deal. It's like, it, it's all editing at this point. Yeah, it's so. not live. The other one was live. So I was yeah. like a little more, not stressed, but it was like my phone started going off. And I'm just like, okay, just going to ignore that and hope it does not pick up on the call. Yeah. So here we go. And so, Evan. Glad to have you on the show. For the people who might not know you, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. So my name's Evan, and I'm a game developer, solo game developer. And I've been working on a Metroidvania game for around four years now. I've been playing games since I was a kid. GameCube was one of my first big consoles, and I've always loved Nintendo. It took me a while to stumble upon Metroid, though. Um, but it was a... a huge game in terms of building up my taste in gaming and game development and more recently hollow knight was a game that like really struck a chord with me that was actually after i'd started development on this game and it completely reshaped how i was working on the game so yeah i'm a solo game developer making rebel transmute which is a metroidvania and it's kind of a pinnacle of all the games that i've loved growing up and like the next step of my game development career just what makes the most sense for me in terms of what i love and what i love to do Oh, that's dope. That's dope. So, Evan, for all like my first time guests, I have them answer a question. You already mm -hmm. know what it is. I prepped you ahead of time. I give you the cheat sheet. So, what is your top five games of all time? All right, my top five games, and I'm going to give a little caveat here, which is that they're not in order. Okay, um, that's because cool. I don't know what the order of these are. It might be impossible. <laughs> but I'd say Legend of Zelda: Twilight Princess. Okay. Which I think is, for some reason, like a controversial take. That game is amazing. But for me, that was the <laughs> Zelda game that like I would play before school in the morning, that my mom would help me navigate dungeons in, that I went back to when the HD version came out. It's just a game that's been there throughout my life at this point and something that I just, it, it's like my comfort food. Okay. Uh, Twilight Princess is a game I can just get lost in. The next game would be Hollow Knight. Already mentioned it. Uh, it's a huge influence on me. Another, I like games that I can just lose myself in. That game, just having a world that you can get lost in, it's very accessible. It was a huge plus. Another game is Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. Oh, man. Ironically, I think people might know this game as the game that's made by the guy who went on to do It Takes Two. Oh, yeah, for sure. A more recent game from that studio. Mm -hmm. But this game has a moment in it where it has a really impactful story beat told completely through gameplay it was one of the first times i experienced that and one of the reasons i wanted to start making games so i think that's steadily stayed in my top five for quite a while and it's a short game and it's a cheap game so go get it if you're listening and uh, and try it out it's, it's worth it next game is slay the spire slay the spire is a game i have like thousands of hours in it's so unlike addictive. anything i've ever worked on which is great because I can just really turn, not think about game development or anything while I'm playing it. I can just have fun. And I love the challenging decision-making it has you go through as a player. That'll probably stay in my top five forever. And another game that'll probably stay in my top five forever, which who knows, maybe more games will come along, but Outer Wilds oh, wow. is the okay. last one in my top five. My top five is kind of all over the place. I love a bunch of different games, which is good. But Outer Wilds is like a puzzle, a story puzzle game. Uncover story while you play. And that actually, that information is what allows you to unlock 
progression. And it's just really cool. It's really fun. It reminded me of playing Nintendo games as a kid, like just having a fun sandbox to play in. Um, yeah. So you can notice a pattern here of games I can lose myself in that have worlds or like fun ways to, to play. And I think that's framing how I make games as well and what I'm trying to do with Rebel Transmute. Man, that's a dope list. Like you said, that is very diverse because as you were going through it, I was thinking to myself, okay, normally I see like a correlation between like people's answers of, okay, this kind of adds up. They're an RPG kind of person or they're MMO kind of person, but you are like all over the place. I'm like, but it's a solid, it's a solid top five list. I think I've played every single one of those games, mostly because of Game Pass, but like a couple of them weren't on Game Pass, but like all of those are pretty much bangers in their own right. You you do have to be in the mood for all of them though. Yeah. Yeah. I think if there's a through line at all, it's that I just like to seek out weird esoteric games. Like I'll look out like what are new indies that are coming out and whatnot. And I bounce off a lot of them. Some of them just really hook me. And those are the ones that stick with me. So I got a quick question before we dive into your game. You were talking about Hollow Knight and how like Hollow Knight got its hooks into you. Is that like one of your favorite Metrovania games of all time? Yeah, if it's in the top five, it's got to be in the top Metroidvania yeah. five. But yeah, in terms of Metroidvanias, like my exposure to that genre was like Metroid 2, Super Metroid, and then Hollow Knight, and a lot of games that had like Metroidvania light aspects to them, but weren't necessarily Metroidvanias. I also loved like SteamWorld Dig 2 was one really like a few man. years ago that was really good. But Hollow Knight, it hits something a little special for me that goes beyond just the Metroidvania genre. It has this world building in this field that also like the Dark Souls games yeah. give me. And on a different day, Dark Souls is probably in the top five, but he's <laughs> only five spots. But those games just have a storytelling and a world presence that is so rich that you can really lose yourself in it. And that's my favorite part of video gaming is like just being able to immerse myself in a new world, almost like I'm reading a book or something. Yeah, Hollow Knight has that in spades. It has a bit of a vague story and setting so that you can just lose yourself in it and discover different aspects of it at your own pace. And I think that's like something that Metroidvania is well not being super story focused in the past, this one actually uses that blend of we're not going to be super story focused, but we're going to give a really interesting world and lore to explore and just marries it in a way that like isn't done that often that makes sense yeah, it's special that makes sense i've not been that one yet but i love i loved everything i like played about it it was a little tough i gotta admit like maybe mm. it was because like i got distracted with rogue legacy at the time and they're both kind of tough games so i chose the lesser of the two ones that were going to kick my ass throughout the entire playing style of it but i one of the things i really like about that game is like the art style i've you rarely see any game that you can say, oh, it looks just like Hollow Knight. Like, it very much yeah. stands on its own. I agree. And as a game developer, I look at that art style and I'm like, oh, they, they cracked the code. Because the art style, it, not that it's easy to draw like that or anything mm -hmm. to lock in that style. It's easy to continue it. It's easy yeah. to make more enemies, more whatever. Pixel art, I think, is like a much more time-consuming art process. So there's a little bit of jealousy there. Well, if I could draw like that, which I can't and I couldn't at the time I started, I'd, I'd be able to have 200 enemies in or whatever. <laughs> but I think it's what allowed them to create such an expansive world. And I think it really goes to show that if you just have a cohesive style that like looks good, it's really about the content and really about what you can do. So they were just able to make a game that's so big and uh, immersive because of that. So yeah, yeah I totally agree. You... And I love that style. Oh, I do too. Have you played Ori yet? Like, yeah, I've played uh, both Ori's, the second one a lot more, but I think that's because I'm just not as into like masochist platforming stuff. <laughs> I found the escape sequences to be frustrating, but it's gorgeous and I love the story in them. Like, yeah, it's, it's you, a good balance. 
we were just talking about the art styles and that's another like metrovania type of game that kind of really just like hones in on like the, its own like style and really yeah. just yeah it's beautiful absolutely and that's a style you can't do as like a solo developer or a small <laughs> team like you need a handful of people on those animations and 3d assets and stuff but it's a gorgeous product yeah yeah so speaking of solo development let's dive into your game rebel transmute so you've been working on this game for a little while how would you describe this game to the audience I would describe Rebel Transmute as a it's a 2D action exploration game in the vein of Metroid or Hollow Knight. It's a mixture of those two games, those two ideas. And it's a game where you play as Moon Makono, who is a spacecrafter turned adventurer who's searching through a living planet to discover the fate of her mother, who was a worker for a big space corporation that operated on that planet. And a big event happened, a disaster took place, and it's being covered up. And you're there to uncover what happened, find out where your mom is, and get to the bottom of it. And through the course of that, you'll fight huge boss fights. Thinking Hollow Knight, we are talking about the difficulty earlier. I'm trying to have more of a forgiving gameplay experience, but I still want those tense moments, those big boss fights. There's going to be tons of enemies, huge areas to explore, winding pathways. So that's what Rebel Transmute is. That's pretty cool. So... I got a question. What was the primary inspiration behind the game, like whenever you first started four years ago? So when I first started, it was building off of a Game Jam game. So a game that oh, I'd really? done in just 24 hours, and it didn't really have much to do with what the game currently is. It was just, I think it was the first time I sat down and seriously made like a 2D platformer. And it was just fun. I loved working with the physics. I loved creating a character that can jump around. So as I started to think, how could I expand this? It naturally started to take aspects of other games I liked. So it started to be like, I want to be a world you explore, a world you explore differently depending on your playthrough, depending on what items you have, depending on how you're building up your character. And that, that sounds a little bit RPG. And I'll say there's some RPG light elements in the game, but it's not like full Castlevania. Um, but yeah, it definitely built up as, okay, we're going to go like Metroidvania style route. And then, okay, Hollow Knight's a big influence. I'm going to make the world a little bit more, the areas in the world a little bit more unique. And you you notice when you move from like the first zone to the second zone, that kind of exploration and giving people multiple options of which order to explore these world zones in. Um, so it built up from something small and grew to the point where I was like, oh, this is serious. Oh, this is like a real game. I should think about finishing this up and how am I releasing it? And eventually we got to the point where we're at the Kickstarter and it's okay. We're on the final stretch. I know what the game is now. I've actually written it down in a document. I know how it ends. I know what needs to be done because for a long time it was just doing it for fun on the side. So it, it mm -hmm. didn't have an end in sight. It was ever growing just didn't have any bounds keeping it all in so now it finally has that and at the point where i'm trying to just finish it up <laughs> how's it feel to have the end in sight it is not yet satisfying and that might not come from a, as i've heard from people who've done this before until after the game is out a lot of people say you'll never feel like it's done so <laughs> honestly what it feels like is it's exciting and anxious a kind of nervous energy that i think is a positive thing but uh, keeps mm -hmm. you focused keeps you on the ball and I, more than anything, what excites me is the idea of people playing it. I okay. have a demo out right now for the Kickstarter, and I had a previous demo out a year ago. And some of the most motivation and some of the most rewarding things I've gotten from the game so far is just seeing people play through that and seeing people's reactions to it. And even just playing through it myself and knowing that I don't have to go in and fix a bunch of stuff or add <laughs> anything. Like It's a really special feeling. That's really cool. So. Your game got fully funded on Kickstarter. By congrats, by the way, like major shout out. That's a huge accomplishment. 
Can you tell us about your journey on Kickstarter? Sure. So pretty much what happened is I was at a point six months ago, maybe, where I was had figured out what the game scope was. I knew what needed to be done to finish it. And I looked at my bank account and was like, in order to get this thing done right and released, like we're looking at getting a part-time job again, doing this or that. I'd gone full-time around a year ago. And it had allowed me to really step up my game and get this thing closer to finishing. And Kickstarter seemed like a no-brainer in terms of I uh, the game is mostly done. So for people that want to back it or are interested in the game, it's not hugely risky to back it. Like there's a product here that you can play the demo of that you can see. So it was really a way of me getting the community involved with helping me finish this thing. So whether that is people that have backed at design tiers where they get to design an enemy or a boss or something, and I get to work with them to just people that want to follow along, people that want to help me finish this thing. It's really made the development process. It's already reframed it in my head from I'm making a game for myself to I'm making a game for all these people. And that's a really cool thing. And I think we were so successful funded within, I think, a week or so, just because I'd been very public with the game development process so far. So people knew me, they knew the game, they knew my work on it, and they were able to rally around the game and the Kickstarter. So I'm really thankful for people that were like already following me on Twitter. I had people that from Reddit who'd seen a few posts. I had people who were hanging out in my Discord. I have a, a Discord for the game you can come hang out in and chat about the demo and whatnot in. So I think basically just having other people involved is what made the Kickstarter make sense and also made it so successful. And I'm really grateful that I have that. And I'm not just making this game completely isolated on my own without any idea of if it's good or not, or what needs to be worked on or what's good. So that makes complete sense. So do you feel like you really built a community around this game? In a way, yeah. I feel like I have a group of people that are into Metroidvanias, or maybe mm -hmm. this is their first one. They're into the art style. They're into how it plays. So there's almost like a couple different micro communities within the Discord and the Twitter spheres or whatnot. But more than anything, it's made me feel like I, I'm not in this alone which I think is really important, especially over a period of time where COVID was happening, I wasn't going out as much, I feel more isolated from people. Having this thing as like a rallying point for a community who were interested in my work and were supporting me was like really something that helped a lot. So I feel like, I guess there is like a community around the game that I'm grateful for. That's really cool. That's really cool. So what advice would you give to other game developers who are thinking of using Kickstarter to basically get their project off the ground? or maybe they want to start a project. Yeah, I'll say, I don't know if I went the most conventional route. I think there's something to be said for like spending a few months putting a good prototype together, trying out different ideas. You get something really solid that's like fun to play. Maybe putting that out as a little demo and doing a Kickstarter off that and being like, I want to make this, it's going to take a couple of years. And then I think that's valid. I think the safer way to, to do this is to have a game that is already a bit along its journey. Like with Rebel Transmute, I say it's 75% done, which means that I can show it off. It looks really good. I don't need to worry about there being like early assets and people not being able to visualize what it might look like when it's done. And I would say start showing off the game as soon as you can. At least if you're a solo developer and you're trying to do Kickstarter, you're trying, that means you're trying to basically use a community to help build you up. In order to do that, you need to be giving the community something in return. So that's looks behind the scenes, streaming game development here and there, posting uh, GIFs on Twitter. That's my main thing was I was like posting looks at the game on Twitter for two or three years now and slowly but steadily just more people were interested. 
And I think it's a great way to, to judge what people find interesting, what, what will click with people, and if you'll have a successful Kickstarter if you go that route. Well, that's really cool. So do you, did your reactions based on like people who play the game, did you, were you able to feed off that feedback and really make improvements? Or do you feel like a lot of people were, were there more so like positive reinforcements there? Or do you feel like it was like all over the place as far as feedback for the game Kickstarter wise? Sure. I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can separate the Kickstarter feedback from normal feedback too much because (laughs) I have been getting it and it's all helped. It's all morphed together. Like there was feedback that helped me shape the game into a game that I think did well on Kickstarter. There's feedback from the Kickstarter already that is going to help me with the final like 25% of game development. Let me think. What was the question again? (laughs) No, yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Went off on a little. No, like the feedback. I know I had more to say. I know I had more to say. (laughs) I just don't know what it was. No, it's all good. So the feedback in general you've gotten has been extremely positive. Is there, what's the main lessons that you learned while developing this game? Sure. So the feedback's been really helpful in that it helps me see, first of all, like where things are working. Maybe that's the augment system. And I see that people really like the ability to swap out different abilities and build their own like playstyle up. And then that as a developer allows me to step back and think about it and go, like, oh, I should lean into that that feature of the game. And then I will maybe add more augments. I'll make sure that you're getting them earlier in the game so that if you're just starting, you understand this is a core part of the game. You're going to get these often. They're going to switching them out is something you're going to be doing before every boss fight. That's something that like the community helped me see. The community also helps me see things through feedback that aren't working as well. And I might remove features. I might rework things. The death mechanic is something that I think everyone who's played a game will have a different idea on. So that's a an instance where like no matter what I change the penalty for death to be, people are still going to have negative feedback and positive feedback. So I have to navigate that and figure out just what works best for the game. Because some people are just always going to be left unfulfilled by whatever yeah. choice is made there. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been really important to have the community because it builds up my confidence as well as a developer. You can start to get some imposter syndrome and start to question, am I doing something that's good? My friends think it's good, but they're always going to support me. So having this unfiltered feedback of either people who are super positive or people that are really invested and will tell you when you're doing something they don't like is really helpful because when you realize like, oh, I'm not getting negative feedback about this one feature anymore, you start to feel really confident about it. You're like, oh, that means I'm doing Mm -hmm. something right. Like those problems have been addressed. So it's invaluable to have community feedback throughout the whole process. That's really cool. So let's talk about like dreams and aspirations for the game. Of course, everyone wants the game to be successful, but where do you foresee this game landing as far as consoles go? Do you have sure. any hopes and dreams there? I think since the since I've started taking it seriously and, and knowing this was a full release, I've been wanting to do PC and consoles, which means like Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. But those are things that take a lot of time, investment, and money. So the Kickstarter right now is just for the PC version, but we do have a Nintendo Switch stretch goal. So okay. I think we're at like around $21,000 raised at the time of recording this. 24000 raised is the Nintendo Switch stretch goal that will give me a few months to port the game to make sure that everything is set for the release on Nintendo Switch. And I'd love to have it on other consoles. I think that's something that I need to focus on either like leading up to launch or after launch. So it's probably not going to be a simultaneous release or anything. But I would love the game to live on multiple consoles to I'd love to support it with ongoing updates if I have the like urge to 
add more content. There might be things that I've cut that I'd love to add back in as like an update. So honestly, if the gamers are there and they're excited for the game and it gets a warm reception, I'd love to feed into that and reward them with more stuff, console versions, updates. I'd love to continue supporting it with that. That makes complete sense. With this game coming on Steam, can we expect like a Steam Deck like verified version of this? I'll be completely honest. I I don't know if I have any control over that. I think think Valve, and it might be different now that they've gone through a lot of games, but originally they Mm -hmm. were just going through games internally and verifying them, and you couldn't request them to verify. I don't think they just did it. It might change by the time I get to release with them having gone through a lot of the back catalog, and I'm going to be doing everything I can to make sure it works on Steam Deck. I have people who have, and we talk about community feedback, who have Steam Decks and have tried it out on the Steam Deck and have said that the demo works well. I have a playtest build that some internal testers have access to, and they've said that works well. But I think all I can really commit to is to say that it's going to run well on PC Windows. I know Steam Deck is running off Linux, but it seems like whatever wrapper they use does run the game. It's not super demanding, but I'm going to try to uh, work on the game to make sure it runs on the like lowest common denominator to make sure that it's efficient. That makes sense. That makes sense. Thanks for the transparency, by the way. I know that was like a curveball question there. No, it's fine. There's a lot of like interesting in and outs of this whole process that I think a lot uh, on the outside looking in, you just Mm -hmm. assume it it works quite flawlessly or you've no clue how it works inside. And it's, it's always fun for me to pull that curtain back a little bit and be like, oh no, to get even a game on Steam, like you have to do all this stuff. It's wild. But yeah. Yeah. Thank you for the look behind the curtain, though, because I'm like, I really didn't know that. I didn't necessarily know the nuances of all the details of what it takes to get a game ported or what it takes to get a game like Steam Deck verified. So good, good insight there. Thank you very much. So uh, my last question, though, is you've been a great guest. I'd, I'd love to have you back anytime, anytime you want to talk about Rebel Transmute or even the Kickstarter. Just hit me up. You're always welcome back. But before we go, where can the good people find you? Sure. So they can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Tor, T-O-R. Mm-hmm. And that's where I mainly stay updated with my game development stuff. So I'll post looks behind the scenes, any updates on the Kickstarter, any updates on how the game's coming along, where it's coming out. Every once in a while, some personal updates and stuff mixed in because it's first and foremost, my account as a game developer, not necessarily the game's account. Um, they can also uh, obviously check out the Kickstarter. If you can't back or just want to wait and see if you're interested, there's a demo you can play. Sharing the, the Kickstarter around just makes a huge difference, getting more people to see it. There's also a Discord that I think is linked, linked from both my Twitter and the Kickstarter. So if you find one of these things, you find them all. So yeah, just come join the kind of little community it's building up around the game. I'd love to have you. Okay, thank you again for being on the show. Everyone go check out that his amazing game, Rebel Transmute. I can't wait for the game to be fully released. And like I said, thank you again for joining us on the Pro Nerd Report. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I'd love to be back if you'll have me. This was wonderful. Oh, catch you a little later. Man, I'm. are you still there? Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, the video, for some reason, like it timed out. So, but- Oh, we just made it. Yeah, that's what I was like, whoa, that's wire. Like really convenient. But man, <laughs> thank you. No, for real, though. Thank you so much for being on the show. It really means a lot. And I really do look forward to playing the game.
Yeah, no, that, that was a lot of fun. That t- flew by so quickly. It really did. At the time, like forty minutes. No way, it's been forty minutes. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. You did great. Like questions lined up, posted things really well. I've only been on one other thing, but it was similar <laughs> to my experience there, where just I felt very comfortable because I was like, if I run out of things to say, or you'll have my back. So it seems like yeah, you're sure. pretty good at this. Man, I'm trying to get better. I have interviewed probably like maybe thirty four people now, so I'm trying to like damn. Yeah, man, 34 in two months. I am like mowing this down. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm sure you're building up skills really fast then. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm like leaping like full-fledged into the deep end. And so far, I'm not drowning. So there's there's that. But no. By the way, I just, for real though, I wasn't just saying that just to say it. I'd love to have you back. I really love the way you speak in a like a very knowledgeable and nuanced way about video games, especially when you were talking about like Hollow Knight in your like top games of all time. I'm like, you are extremely knowledgeable about the games you like are that's in your wheelhouse. And you have a very diverse portfolio of games that you actually enjoy. So I'm like, anytime you want to just hit it up and talk games, like hit me up. Awesome. Yeah, will do. I'm, ass- I'm assuming you have episodes that are, is this episode fully the interview or do you have like other like news sections and stuff? I briefly checked it out, but it seems like you do some reviews and other stuff. Yeah, I, so I'm hitting it with a two pronged like process. Like on Tuesdays, I do like solo episodes where it's like news reviews, that sort of thing. And then on Thursdays, it's notable people, notable stories, that sort of like notable people and their notable stories. So it's gotcha. like, Thursdays are always a guest slot. Tuesdays are always like either my solo like rants and opinions or like news, like what I think about the news and gaming. And then Thursdays, I'll, I approach it like more traditional podcast gotcha yeah yeah so. well if you want to fill a guest slot or have me on for anything just let me know and oh for I'm sure free, i'll for come sure. through <laughs> for sure have you so i know you're like busy like creating the game and all that kind of stuff and don't really play as much but is there any games that really stood out to you this year this year oh boy I keep a list I actually make a top <laughs> 10 list every year you know if i post it publicly i think i might have tweeted it out the last few years i'm bringing that i don't even also the whole thing is like you know what the hell came out this year compared to last year like loop <laughs> hero last year was that this year i think it was last year oh hard space shipbreakers was a game that i really liked this year hearts break like heartbreak shipbreakers hard space okay hard space gotcha. shipbreakers it's a very oddly titled name but it's is awesome okay yeah it looks like loop hero was last year okay yeah, I have a bunch of 2021 games. I'm like, yes, these games are awesome. 2022 has been a wild year for me. So like, I don't even know what came out or what I've played. But um, yeah, I think I can say confidently Hard Space Shipbreakers came out this year and I really liked it. Um, I've also That's just really been doing cool. a lot of Apex. It's kind of like my comfort food and how I keep in touch with friends. So I'm kind of always playing some of Apex. Shipbreaker is out on Game Pass today. That's very convenient. Oh. A subliminal ad that I'm here. Yeah, um, yeah, really. No, no, that game's off. Definitely check it out. It's 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 interesting. You're like just doing some menial like space work, like deconstructing ships, but it's quite calming. If I was able to get into the right headspace, I could sit down for a few hours, break down some ships, throw a podcast on, and really just relax. Oh, okay. So it's a sim game. Okay. Yeah, it's a. How does it describe itself? An action adventure simulation game. Okay. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. Think, uh, are you excited out. about the Zelda Tears of the? Was it Tears of the Kingdom? Yes, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. That's wild. I was, I love that game so much, and I'm excited to dive back into a whole new one of those. 
I was like, every time someone mentions like a Zelda game that's not Breath of the Wild in their top five, it always takes me aback for a second, just a split second. But because normally I thought I, about it for a yeah. second, I was like Breath of the Wild, and I was like, it doesn't feel like Breath of the Wild is as important to my identity as mm -hmm. Twilight Princess is. And I don't I think any completely. Zelda game ever will be. I get that completely. You also have the emotional connection to the game, considering you played it with your mom too. Yeah, like it was huge. Like I think if I brought it up, my mom would know about the game still and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember that. I remember like the fucking monkey boss that would jump <laughs> around on the, <laughs> you know, on the pedestals and whatnot, and you got your boomerang." So one last question before I know you like got to get back to it, but I really <clears throat> I'm curious. I've never played Twilight Princess. Is that one I should definitely hop into? Yeah, I mean, there was a rumor that they were going to have a new HD release on Switch announced at the last Direct, and then it just didn't happen. That's what but, I was waiting for, because I think yeah. it was that one, and was it Majora's Mask? No. I think it was, was Wind Waker. The Wind two Waker. Game yeah, I think it's worth playing. I think it's a wonderful game. It's weird. He plays a wolf for a third of it. Like, it's really an interesting Zelda story, and I think it's... People say it's like the generic edgy one or whatever, like it's just Ocarina of Time, but edgier. But I think it has a lot of interesting things going on that, that people lose sight of when they are just talking about it. Um, God is like, yeah, it's worth playing. If you like okay. Zelda, it's worth playing. I've only ever played like two Zelda games, so I can't definitively say I'm a Zelda fan, but... Sure, I, if you like two Zelda games, they're not all that different. No. <laughs> but, um, so, no, if you like Breath of the Wild, I think you'd like Twilight Princess. Yeah, I was like, I played a Breath of the Wild, which is a huge, expansive, like, RPG, like, open-world RPG. And then I played, what was it, Link's Awakening, which is, like, very much, like, that 2D, not just 3D, but, like, it's a very much, like, top-down kind yeah, of, the, like, the, the remake for Switch. Yeah, it looked so good. I love Link's Awakening. I never finished it, but I remember playing that in, like, high school. I played that in Tunic back to back, and oof, that was an experience. That, yeah, like, that seems interesting. I didn't play Tunic yet either, but it seems like it is one of those, but it turns it all on its head a bit. Yeah, it is um, very much. If you like that kind of game, it is very much that same kind of game, except like you have to learn another language, so to speak, to play it because like you, right. have, you do, like you have to translate a map, and it's an experience. I'll, you should definitely check that one out. Evan, man, it's been great talking to you and meeting you. I know you've got a lot of things going on and a lot of game development to get back to. So <laughs> I want to thank you again for taking the time out to be on the podcast, though. Yeah, of course. It was a highlight of the day. It was a lot of fun. So thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> great meeting you, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, great meeting you, too. Have a good one. All right, you too. Bye, Evan. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I just want to remind you that you can get Notable Nerds every single Thursday, and we're going to bring you the dopest guest in the nerd community. If you want to suggest a nerd that you think should be on the show or discuss topics of an episode with others, join us on the Pro Nerd Report Facebook group. Once you're in, go ahead and provide some feedback. The link to join us in the Pro Nerd Report free Facebook group is in the show notes. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope to catch you every single Thursday. Holla at your boy later. Peace.